The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa. Thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome veterans and active service members who are tuning in from around the world and also new listeners who are joining us on affiliates in New York, Wyoming, New Hampshire, Washington, Idaho, and from coast to coast. This week, we're going to take a break from nonstop election coverage to look at the really big picture. Sometimes we get caught up in so much bickering and minutia, we lose sight of our place in the universe. And so uh, we're going to try to put politics into the right perspective. In a moment, one of the first men to walk on the moon, astronaut Buzz Aldrin, will be joining the program to explain just how close we are to a manned mission to Mars and why it's so important to keep our eye on the prize. So stow away those tray tables and tighten your seatbelts as we prepare to travel to the mysterious red planet. But before Mr. Aldrin joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Edwin Eugene Aldrin Jr. was born in Montclair, New Jersey. He earned the nickname Buzz during childhood, courtesy of one of his sisters. Aldrin earned his undergraduate degree from West Point, after which he served in the United States Air Force as a jet fighter pilot. In 1963, Aldrin earned his doctorate degree from MIT. His thesis was devoted to manned orbital rendezvous, paving the way for Aldrin to be admitted into NASA's astronaut program and earning him his second nickname, Dr. Rendezvous. From here, Aldrin was unstoppable. He was selected for the Gemini 12 mission where he set the record for extravehicular activity and also handpicked for the history-making Apollo 11 mission where he and Neil Armstrong became the first humans to set foot on the moon. Following a distinguished career with NASA, Aldrin headed up the Air Force Test Pilot School at Edwards Air Force Base for a brief period before retiring in 1972. But Aldrin has an interesting definition of retirement. Since that time, he's authored several best-selling books, founded the Space Studies Graduate Program at the University of North Dakota, starred in several movies and Dancing with the Stars, created his own computer strategy game, launched the Share Space Foundation, and started Buzz Aldrin Enterprises. And in between all of that, he designed the Aldrin Cycler, something we're going to hear more about later in today's program. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report space pioneer and American hero, Mr. Buzz Aldrin. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Aldrin. Hey, I'm happy to be with you as I'm uh, driving streets of uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Not not any 
election tour, of course. Uh, but I uh, have an update or two. Uh, I'm not sure you mentioned that I uh, don't live in Los Angeles anymore. Uh, about a year ago, I moved to the Florida coast at Satellite Beach, uh, and I uh, have founded the Buzz Aldrin Space Institute at Florida Institute of Technology. Yes, well, uh, the line of accomplishments that you have achieved since your days at NASA are so extensive. I don't know, Mr. Aldrin, if we could get them all in. (laughs) That's all right. I'll try and gloss over what's significant. Now, first, let me congratulate you on the release of your newest book, titled No Dream is Too High. And we're going to talk about the life lessons that you write about in the book in just a moment. But before we do, let's talk about something that you have been campaigning for since the 60s, a manned mission to Mars. Now, as I understand it, you feel that the moon could easily be set up as a hub or a staging station for travel to Mars. Is that right? Uh, Not exactly. uh uh, those technical terms, uh, more of a proving ground that is very attractive to international partners, which uh, might be called an organization of global lunar consortium of nations. And what would be there at the moon would be a global lunar complex of many, many different uh, uh, features for use by international partners who in the near future could join the U.S. being uh, moon lander capable nations and that's uh, European Space Agency, uh, Russia, Japan, Space Agency, JAXA, and of course China. But I do believe that when you talk about colonizing in outer space, most of your focus has been on colonizing Mars and perhaps using the the complex on the moon as a place to get acclimated, to train, uh, as maybe a way station uh, for vehicles to refuel, reload up before they make the longer journey to Mars. Is that right? Uh, you're coming pretty close. There. Okay, I'm glad I am. <laughs> uh, a lot of people uh, think that uh, we got to make a choice between uh, picking up uh, where we left off 50 years ago uh, and concentrating our efforts there. Um, that would be competing probably with the Chinese. And that's not a very smart thing to do. Uh it's much better to work with the Chinese, but to invite them into uh, a uh, established uh, organization that is gearing for the future that consists of the other three nations, space agencies, and the U.S. in a uh, unique position of... Uh, guiding, technically assisting uh, with the elements particularly needed to be able to uh, carry on 
missions to Mars uh, a little bit later, and that emphasizes a fuel depot on the surface of the moon, perhaps uh, powered by a nuclear reactor, and uh, uh, available to refuel spacecraft in the vicinity of the moon, or that would be preparing to depart uh, from Earth vicinity toward Mars. And that would mostly be uh, refueling in low Earth orbit. Yes, and I think that one of the most outstanding recommendations you've made is that the first colonists should plan on a one-way trip to Mars. Uh, They should volunteer as colonists that are going to go there and create an actual community rather than think about going and returning. Well, I I know from experience that that if I begin to um, introduce a... Uh, sequential evolutionary with intermediate objectives toward Mars that I'll turn off a lot of people who in the government feel like they would be responsible for sending U.S. citizens on a one-way trip where they might die. Well, so we have to educate some people the fact of the matter is most uh, all, if not all, plans for going to Mars now involve uh, visits yes. and then departing Mars and leaving it empty or not, not uh, occupied yes. uh, and then picking that up again and then leaving it empty. And that's just not acceptable. Uh, you can uh, have uh, smaller numbers of people. Yes, well, I think you're, what you're talking far, about is a is a longer-term plan. Unfortunately, we have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with more from Buzz Aldrin. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way.
If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and drag and drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? Care from the Heart is a dedicated and professional home health care agency that's been serving families in the Tri-County Monterey Bay area for over 18 years. We help our clients and their families handle health challenges with determination, love, and humor. When you work with Care from the Heart, we provide assistance with the utmost respect. Your team will consist of nurses, case managers, and home care specialists who will listen and you will design a flexible program to fit your specific needs, either short-term or long-term. You might need help with medication, personal hygiene, meal preparation, transportation, companionship, household chores, or pet care. We can even help you with the dreaded insurance paperwork. If the time has come when you must step into the role of caregiver for a family member, naturally you'll have questions and concerns. Care from the Heart offers classes that provide specific information and skills you'll need to become the positive and supportive influence your family member deserves. And we protect against caregiver burnout by offering periodic respite care for you. Whatever your individual situation, now or in the future, help is available. For a complimentary consultation, call us at 831-476-8316. We can come to you or you are welcome to visit our office in Santa Cruz near Dominican Hospital. Our website is carefromtheheart.net. You know that they have the gift bags at the Oscars, right? Oh, yeah, full of a lot of expensive stuff. Yeah, and one of those is toilet paper that costs $60. It's made in Switzerland. Why? High Alpine Swiss toilet paper. Whoa. I don't know. How are you just telling me about this now? i got to find more. (laughs) I knew you'd be interested. Oh, Rick Steves has an article about European toilet tricks to know before you go. Oh, good. Yeah. Amoxide flushing? Have you heard of that? No. No, I haven't. So you don't actually flush a toilet. You pour a very high-powered chemical down the toilet. Oh, that would be really useful when people are on vacation. Like a scientist. And you they're know, drunk you add, and they give them, you give them a high-powered chemicals to pour down the toilet. Swap it out with baking soda and just stand back and laugh. <laughs> Swedish toilet paper. Soft and absorbent. Don't miss Good Morning Monterey Bay weekday morning 6 to 9 a.m. on KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is legendary space pioneer Buzz Aldrin. And before the break, we were talking about the fact 
that this idea of uh, visiting the moon or Mars shows uh, a lack of a long-term objective, and you'd like to see that objective be a staged plan for building an international complex on the moon to, to prepare for an eventual colonization on Mars. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to finish that thought. Uh, well, exactly. Uh, now, the first uh, NASA human mission on Orion is, uh, is not scheduled until 2023. But I'm trying to do some partnerships and some finagling with contracts out of NASA headquarters so we can have a spacecraft in orbit, uh, a human spacecraft, in 2018 that can be visited, and then another spacecraft in uh, lunar orbit. By 2019, so that it can be in celebration of July 20th, 2019, which is the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, first landing on the moon. I see. So you're trying to time it to the anniversary. Yes, because uh, there will be uh, many observances of what I'm, uh, what people are going to be calling the uh, Apollo uh, Golden Legacies. These are the 50th uh, anniversaries of some of the last Gemini missions, uh, and uh, notably, one week after the next president takes office, we'll be observing the 50th memorial of the tragedy of Apollo 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that occasion is, I'm sure, going to be noted one week earlier when the president, next president, is inaugurated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think by the time of 2019 that he would... Uh, be coached and encouraged by many people with like minds to uh, make the following observation on July 20th, 2019. I believe that this nation, within two decades, should lead international crews to land on Mars. Now, that'll be by 2040, and of course, many things need to be done leading up to that, and that will involve expanding a replacement space station in low Earth orbit for primarily commercial reasons, and it will be uh, located very close proximity to the Chinese space station, uh, at uh, 20 or at 42 degrees, the same inclination, and we will be building up uh, facilities at the moon that will be uh, much more attractive and much easier to do than the Apollo missions for the nations of uh, Europe, Russia, and Japan, and of course, 
uh, China would be uh, most welcome to be uh, a part of that as uh, that is built up uh, to test the designed lunar base but designed by the U.S., which will be the base that we would be putting on Mars. Mm-hmm. Now, all of these things are actually dependent on having an inexpensive cargo vehicle of some type. I mean, we can't really accelerate the build-out of any of these programs, not space stations, not a complex on the moon, not colonization in Mars, unless we can have a, re- a, a fairly economical, large payload, uh, uh, reusable orbital vehicle of some type. So you must be very thrilled about Jeff Bezos's uh, recent success. Oh, well, I certainly am. Now, he's working toward suborbital flights. Yes. Which would take uh, tourists uh, up over 100 kilometers. Now, that's quite a ways away from being able to take people into orbit. Sure, but it's a bit of a first step. Well, but uh, we need a step that has to be undone or untied. Mm -hmm. That is a government-designed heavy lift uh, launch provider that is built on 1970s technology that supported the shuttle, uh, which is no longer flying. Yes. And uh, and was going to be a part of President Bush's uh, constellation program, which was canceled. But it would have been uh, called Ares Five. But now it has the name of Space Launch System. Again, a government designed, but it, it stems from early technologies, much earlier. And uh, many people, engineers from various backgrounds, think that it is just not uh, suitable for what we should be doing in the near future. Yeah, it's old technology. And, the, of so, course, the problem still gets back to how do you get these large payloads of material out of the Earth's atmosphere? Well, the big, uh, the big problem is political. It's because uh, of the Washington, D.C. establishment. We've heard that term recently, uh, but that applies to uh, the congressional appropriations that are allocated to NASA uh, that uh, cause NASA to build certain space features in certain states and certain uh, congressional districts. Yep. And, of course, all of those uh, uh, have uh, congressmen, senators, that want to see things done in uh, their state. So, uh, yeah. I'm involved in... Well, it's a big problem. I mean, we've got Congress people who think that you can make incremental cuts of budgets and still maintain uh, a program that is 10, 20, 30 years out. 
That's like having half the money for surgery and asking your surgeon to just do half the job. Uh, it doesn't really work that way. We've got to take a sh- another commercial break, but stay where you are. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Aldrin Mars Cycler, something that you really want to hear about. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash bigdata. Many questions cloud the 1937 disappearance of Amelia Earhart. Was she captured by the Japanese? A spy for the U.S. Did the plane safely land elsewhere? Thursday, October 15th, 7.30 p.m., Room 450, Cabrillo College, Dr. Tom King will talk about archaeology on Nikumamoro. New answers to old questions? Please join me, Karen Johansson, and the Santa Cruz Archaeological Society, October 15th, 7.30 p.m., Room 450, Cabrillo College. Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Everyone has heard of the nervous system, but were you aware that we actually have two of them? One that's associated with healing and rest and relaxation, and a second that's associated with degeneration, anxiety, and stress. And if we're dealing with any health challenge, chronic activation of the second stress nervous system is likely involved. In fact, almost all health challenges involve activation of the stress-based so-called sympathetic flight-or-fight nervous system. Even if it doesn't appear that way upon initial observation, you can rest assured that if something is breaking down in your body, this emergency response system has been activated. The stress component may not be obvious, but if we're health challenged in any way, the stress nervous system has probably been activated. So to find the root of your health challenge, find the stressor. Whatever it is, find the stress nervous system trigger. It may involve something you're worried about, your job, relationships, financial situations. It may be a bacteria, it may be a food intolerance, shortage of oxygen, or a combination thereof. It's like that kid's game, Where's Waldo, where you have a bunch of distracting art and colors, and you have to find that little Waldo character. Hot flashes, hypertension, even, God forbid, cancer, as terrible as they may be, are really nothing more than the manifestation, and sometimes chronic, long-term, decades-long manifestation, of Waldo poking you in the ribs. Whatever your health challenge is, you have only one question you need to answer. Where's Waldo? Pharmacist Ben here, urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Coast Paper and Supply has been family-owned and operated since 1948. They have a wide array of products available, including brand name and eco-friendly cleaning supplies, 
paper goods, and compostable plates, cups, and cutlery. Whether your needs are for business or home, Coast Paper and Supplies' friendly and reliable staff have what you're looking for. They even accommodate special orders. You can find them at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4.30, or call at 831-423-3350. Coast Paper and Supply is a proud member of Think Local First. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest is Buzz Aldrin. And before the break, you were speaking about the fact that politics plays a bigger role than many of us think in terms of both the ability to fund these long-term space exploration projects, but also sometimes our ability to collaborate with scientists in other nations. Did you want to make a few more comments on that? Uh, yes, I, uh, um, I did. What, what I'm working on right now is uh, um, trying to get a partnership between several companies, uh, a major company like uh, Lockheed Martin or Boeing, that could partner with uh, a company that can do inflatable spacecraft, uh, Bigelow, Mm-hmm. And another company that uh, has the Cygnus spacecraft, which takes cargo up to the space station, it's Orbital ATK. And uh, Bigelow could put a space hab up in low Earth orbit, and uh, Orbital ATK could put... Uh, uh, slightly revised, upgraded Cygnus spacecraft in a lunar polar orbit. Mm-hmm. And that would be the starting of building up the facility in low Earth orbit so that it begins to look like the cycling spacecraft that eventually will be in a permanent orbit uh, around both Mars, Earth, and Mars. It's a permanent orbit that can have spacecraft join up with it as it swings by the Earth and then get off of it when it swings by Mars. And if a spacecraft is around only one gravitational field, like the Earth, we can still call it a cycler if it is something that looks very much like it, but a very early version, and we will be uh, growing it more and more to look like the finished project, which will be taking landers from Earth and taking them to Mars, where they will land on Mars or uh, uh, on the moon of Mars. Now, most of the people listening today, Mr. Aldrin, are not scientists, were not astronauts, and, and aren't necessarily trained in, in the field of, of any scientific endeavor. To me, the best analogy of this is the way that the trains work. They go in a loop, right? And you can get off at any station, get your business done, get back on again. 
Are we talking about something that's similar to that, that loops around Mars and the moon and the Earth? And is that what we're talking about? Absolutely. And it goes back to uh, after I retired uh, from the Air Force, I uh, discovered in 1985 that after working on Earth and moon cycling orbits. Yes. Complete. That NASA wasn't too interested in those, so it was suggested by a retired uh, administrator of NASA who uh, had presided over our first landing on the moon uh, in 1969. So he encouraged me to look at Mars, and after uh, uh, discovering the great similarity, uh, I was able to discover a Aldrin cycler that would swing by the Earth five months later, swing by Mars, and then come back and do that again every 26 months. And there's only one orbit like that, and that's the frequency every 26 months that the Earth catches up with Mars, and you can transfer between Earth and Mars, or Mars to Earth. So this is a wonderful thing. That what, what this is for our audience listening today, what this is, this is a similar to a subway system or a train system that is in a constant looping uh, system, except for that it's only going to stop at your station every 26 months or so. Then you can board it and you can get off and, and you'll be able to either get off at the moon or get off on Mars. Uh, and if you think no, about not, that... Not the moon. Not the moon. You want... So you won't be able to stop at the moon? You, you, there would be no way to unload at the moon? No, no. Okay, only in Mars. All right. Well, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I need to go back to my, my science courses. No, no, no. Uh, because this has to be understood by congressional staff people and congressmen and uh, senators and uh, White House uh, staff people uh, and, and people all over the nation. So that's why I'm uh, trying to be as uh, basic and, and uh, straightforward as I can. Now, this Aldrin Cycler in 1985 uh, was not accepted immediately. It was noted, uh, but recently Purdue University has uh, uh, investigated that cycler and with my encouragement, came up with uh, a better cycler, but it doesn't do it in the same 26 months. It does it in twice that, 52 months. Mm-hmm. So you need two cyclers that can then uh, have the additional feature that they can swing by the Earth a year and a half later. They swing by the Earth again after resupplying from the Earth. Yes. How they can take... What? And the wonderful thing about this is this can be set up so that there are regularly scheduled large payloads that can move between the Earth and Mars. Well, not quite, but you're you're trying real hard. I am uh, trying hard, Mr. Aldrin. I'm, thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> now, this cycler swings uh, by the Earth at uh, a relatively high velocity, and it has taken uh, a fair amount of fuel to establish it, but once established, 
Yes. Uh, then it doesn't require any fuel to speak of, but it still requires to rendezvous with that uh, a, a more more amount of velocity and fuel than you would want to uh, use for yeah. delivering cargo, food, um, modules that people would be living in, building the base. But when you're delivering uh, people, crew members, uh, you want to get them there in about six months. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Uh, but we want to build up the base on Mars before we put the people there. So we learned how to do that for progressively uh, one, two, three, four different nations when they develop their space programs to be able to occupy the, the design base uh, at the moon that we designed and they built, and then they landed, but we bring them together, because they're not going to all land maybe half a mile apart, maybe a mile apart. So the U.S. has the task of assembling and connecting from a distance. Yes, being a leader, a leader and bringing everyone together and coordinating this effort, I think is what you're saying. And we want to develop the capability of turning the ice that's in some permanently darkened, shadowed areas for millions and millions of years, radiating heat away so the temperature is minus 250 degrees centigrade. Mm -hmm. And there's ice in there, and we have to... Uh, yes, yes. Mr. Aldrin, we have to take another hard break, but please stay where you are. We'll, when we come back, we'll talk about more about these international space agency cooperations uh, and that and the key to getting to Mars. You're listening to the Costa Report. Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated their fifth anniversary of their tasting room. This is what Enophiles had to say. My name is Samantha Cooper. The wines are so beautifully crafted, and they're, they're, you take so much time and effort that goes into making it uh, four years to make one bottle of wine, and they're just beautifully crafted, and they come out so amazing. My favorite would have to be the Brut Rosé. It's very near and dear to my heart. It was my wedding wine, actually. They loved it. Edmund Benich 
Uh, I love the cuvee. I love the sparkle. It tickles my nose. Sarah Hines, I've been drinking Caraccioli for five years and I love it. You know, I'm across the board on this. I've been drinking their sparkling wine for some time and I love them all. I entertain a lot. I enjoy entertaining using the Caraccioli wines. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722. Spring is in the air and that means it's time for... What? Allergies? Easter bunnies? No, Charlie. It's time for electrical safety. Of course. Hello, Charlie Friedman here with Chris Jensen from JM Electric. Spring is the season for safety. That's right, Charlie. Every year, thousands are injured or killed by electricity around the home. But thankfully, we now have incredible technologies today, like arc fault circuit interrupters and tamper-resistant receptacles that can protect you from those electrical fires and shocks. JM Electric is happy to help folks out with a free home assessment to see if any of these devices or our current safe testing services are a good fit for their home. Don't get a free tap dancing lesson from your electrical circuitry. Give my friends at JM Electric a call. They'll come to your home, have an expert look at your electrical systems, and tell you what can be done to make you your home safe, just like they did for my home, and their visit won't cost you a dime. Give JM Electric a call at 422-7819 or visit jmelectric.com or on Facebook and tell them Charlie sent you. Have you noticed that food just doesn't taste good anymore? Why is that? If you eat food, you'll want to know this. Our fruits, grains, and vegetables contain less and less nutrition every year. Chances are even your organic plants don't have anywhere near the 70-plus minerals that make a plant healthy and delicious. Listen up, home gardeners, farmers, growers, and lovers of good food. This is Andy Anderson telling you that you can go beyond organic. Perk up your plants and revitalize your fields with blooming minerals from Longevity. This marvelous soil conditioner will re- mineralize your soil with up to 76 organically bound earth elements. That means healthier and better looking crops that resist bugs, mold, cold, and other nasties that can wipe you out. Commercial farmers are reporting faster growth, more yield, and higher brick scores. That means better tasting food for you and me. Get Bloomin' Minerals in powder and liquid form from a spray bottle for houseplants to 55-gallon drums for professional growers. Call us now to order toll-free 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Buzz Aldrin, who I am doing my best to keep up with, (laughs) and who has a new book out titled No Dream is Too High. Uh, I have to once again mention that uh, he seems like the that 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 to me seemed like the perfect title uh, of a book from a man who set historic records so high above our planet. I apologize, Mr. Aldrin, for having to interrupt you to go to break, but you were beginning to talk about the ice which can be found in the valleys of Mars. Uh, no, it's at the moon. The moon. Well. Haven't they found? Uh, didn't they? Haven't they located some uh, ice patches? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. and on Mars as well. Yeah, That's right. Uh, we haven't uh, really pinned down exactly where the ice is that's left over from oceans. At yes. one time. Yes. A couple of parts of Mars, and then uh, the lack of a magnetic field allowed the atmosphere to be stripped away by the uh, 
the solar wind that comes from the sun. Yes, we're learning a lot about those solar winds these days. And without that, the atmosphere uh, is dissipated some, and it's carbon dioxide, much lower pressure, like about 100,000 feet here. So then the oceans freeze, and the winds blow, and the winds blow dust that covers up the oceans after some have uh, evaporated a fair amount. So that's sort of the conditions, at least that's my version of uh, Mm -hmm. uh, the conditions at Mars. Now, at the moon, never had an atmosphere, never had any lakes, but the ice, the water, the ice really that's there is from impacts of asteroids over a long period of time. And since craters near the pole, South Pole in particular, where a big asteroid hit and and left a lot of shaded areas because the sun doesn't beam directly down on it as the moon goes around the Earth once a month. So these areas um, are being identified more and more precisely. And that's where we want to land and build a base right around where we can have a fuel depot that will take the ice, very cold, heat it up to to, to melt the ice. And we have current going through the water, direct current, plus and minus, and we collect bubbles bubbling up the gas hydrogen, and oxygen. Now, we need to make that liquid hydrogen and oxygen Mm -hmm. very, very cold. And we can use electricity to do that, or we can pipe it back down into these shaded craters. This is my idea. Right. But in layman's terms, I think for listeners today, what you're saying is, these resources have been identified on the moon. They've also been identified on Mars. And we have the technology now to leverage those resources to create now uh, complexes and colonies. Uh, we know the science that will be needed, and we know the resources exist. And I think that, you know, that gives us, um, that gives us I think, the, a legitimate reason to start that process and start that planning and maybe even to accelerate it. Now, I, I'm going to run out of time here, so I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch gears for two seconds here because I I don't want I don't want to lose you before we talk about your new book. No dream is too high. Uh, I had an opportunity to read it the last couple of days. Fantastic book. One of the important messages in your book is our attitude toward failure. And I believe that I read that one of your first experiments on the moon was a failure. Uh, You were deciding not to jump back up to the first rung of the ladder to determine how much force it was going to take you to make it to that first rung. Uh, But, you know, that was only one of many failures that you just looked at as an opportunity and and rose above. And I and I thought your book was extremely inspirational. Uh, What motivated you at this point to write this book? Uh, I've been trying to uh, create an impression among people that I am 
very active in ordinary things in addition to concentrating very much on a very inventive mind, a creative mind that looks at my experiences, my education, what other people are doing and tries to do it better than I see it. And in many ways, I have been very successful at doing that. I took, uh, I took an oath uh, when I entered West Point at age 17 to serve my country. That's precisely what motivates me now. But now I'm looking into the future and using the experiences, the knowledge, uh, and uh, what I can understand and make better for the future. And I've been very, very encouraged, even just recently, to realize that a fuel depot on the moon and a low orbit where we can send the less expensive commercial crew and cargo, that they can stay, stay for periods of time in orbit. And that's what we did in Apollo. Yes. We only stayed there for a short time, and it didn't have refueling. So yes. now we can launch landers with refueled uh, propulsion stages that they join up with without people in them and without fuel in them, and they can go to an orbit where they can uh, have a uh, reusable uh, fuel tanker get fueled up, put the people in them, then they land People get out, they refuel from the depot on the surface, go back up to the orbit, refuel again, and bring more people. We now have reusable landers and a very inexpensive way of getting people there. This is much, much better than we did during Apollo. Yes, absolutely. And but it but it takes you know, it takes courage to be you. I mean, you put these ideas out there. Uh, starting, let's just go back to MIT. I mean, you were the first guy to come up with a uh, an actual practical rendezvous and docking station, the, the same technology that we use actually today, a version of. Uh, and now you've got the Aldrin cycle. Y- you know, you put your ideas out there and you have such passion that it, it, failure doesn't, doesn't seem to bother you. Well, uh, flying fighter aircraft... You want to shoot down the enemy aircraft, but you train to do that with a target that moves along. And now in your flight of four uh, aircraft that uh, are part of your friendly flight, you set up a pattern that allows you to make the near-perfect intercept of that cloth target as it's towed by. Yes. That's what I did with that target in Earth orbit for the Gemini spacecraft to get on the near-perfect trajectory, try to pick what that trajectory was, and then test out guidance. And people hadn't thought of things like that, whether they were fighter pilots or not. Yes. Uh, Then we did that so well in the Gemini program, the pilots were... uh, Astronauts were familiar with it, so we carried over and did that in Apollo. We 
because it had adopted a much more efficient method of going to the moon than was previously used, mm-hmm. which would use two Saturn Vs. Now, unfortunately, Mr. Aldrin, I hate to stop you because we could talk to you for hours. I mean, obviously, we don't get a guest uh, often that has so much content to share with our audience. And I want to thank you for the time that you've given us today. Before we say goodbye, I want to take a moment to thank you for your service to our country. Thank you, Mr. Aldrin. Well, I want to thank all the veterans that are listening in and people overseas. Uh... We are making America great again. Thank you, Mr. Aldrin. My guest next week is rumored to be at the top of the GOP candidate's pick as vice presidential running mate. Former governor of Arizona Jan Brewer will be joining us to talk about the measures Arizona took to secure the state's southern borders and crack down on illegal immigration. Don't miss Jan Brewer next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.